going to Mandalore. So that I may bathe in the living waters. And be forgiven for my transgressions. You are a fool. Star Wars fans and move milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 348 of Blast Points is Jason. And this is Gabe. We're we're still Mandalorian here over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're we're hot wet and dripping with sweat over here. <laughs> Sitting on a towel. It's, I'm in a sauna. I don't even know why. I'm recording this I'm sweating like I'm underneath Mandalore. Uh, yeah, this season this is like Mandalorian faster, more intense, because I feel like we've seen six episodes and we've only seen two. We are talking about, you know, we're talking about the Mandalorian season three, the second episode, chapter 18, keep up the minds of Mandalore. And yeah, this season is playing by its own rules. It's blowing your minds of Mandalore. There were a ton of people after the first episode who were like, oh, okay, the whole thing of this season is going to be Din is going to go on this quest to eventually get to Mandalore and be baptized in the living waters. That's what this whole season is going to be leading to, right? No. Second episode, we go, we get over, we're done with it. There's a big monster down there, there's a mythosaur. We got other things to do. Yeah, right. He's already been redeemed we we've seen the mythosaur and he's teamed up with bo-katan already like holy cow (laughs) right and i was trying to think too even based on what we've seen in the preview like i wonder if everything left in the previews like next week and then or maybe the fourth episode and then we're going to be in uncharted waters here with the with the season because almost everything from the trailer we've seen already yeah, I went back and watched a trailer because I was thinking that this morning too. And there's all this stuff with like Big Vizsla on Navarro, on Dave Navarro, and them jump the bunch of Mandalorians jumping out of a ship. There's all the stuff with with Pershing on Coruscant. What's that all about? We don't know. Oh, I forgot about that. The the pilot guy Carson Treva with his new jacket. There's that. There's there's some stuff that. But then it's like, well, where does all this stuff fit in? And eventually, when does the story start to move away from Din and Grogu and Bo Katan? Because it's kind of fascinating, kind of not knowing where the heck this is going. And every single week, we yeah, we're two episodes in, and it's two for two, and two for two, totally wild. It's the triple T. Well, and I also wonder, is this just the Bo-Katan season two? Like, is she going to be in every episode? I kind of hope so at this point. Or at least these first two. Like, she has co-billing as, like, it's starring Pedro Pascal and Katie Sackhoff, and then co-starring other people. So is that just for these two episodes, or is that, like, the whole season? 
It sure, like, even going all the way back to Celebration Anaheim last year, like, it sure kind of seemed like that. And, like, everything people have kind of talked about, and there's been a lot more, like, Katie Sackhoff and a lot more Bo-Katan. I feel like we always kind of heard, like, oh, the next season's going to have a lot more Bo-Katan. Yeah, which is great. Do it. Yeah, I hope so, because, I mean, that was, like, with all the cool stuff in this episode, finally getting to see those two, like, really kind of... I mean, they've teamed up in the past, but like kind of starting to understand each other and like become maybe friends was kind of cool. And also like Grogu has two parents now teaching him the ways of the Mandalore. Her whole kind of moment to shine in this episode. I love like when Grogu is flying back to her castle on Nirvana She's just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get rid of him once and for all. That's it. And then she comes out and as Grogu and her heart melts. You can't. I got to help the baby. But that's the great thing with kind of watching this show and kind of knowing Bo-Katan from Clone Wars and Rebels, where you kind of know where her heart is like when she's walking with Grogu and she's like, you know, I knew a lot of Jedi and you're watching Mandalorian in the 5 a.m. in the morning. You're like, yeah, you sure did. I saw those episodes. It was really good. Yeah. But you know, she's not a villain. You know, she just wants what's best and she's just lost. She's as lost as Din is. And you've got these two people or maybe even three, maybe, with the armorer, with these three different points of view that are all Mandalorians. And somehow, some way, it's it's like it's starting to come together. Well, yeah, that was the really cool thing with this one, with with um the two of them, you know, towards the end, um, getting to the water and all that is like it's like they're starting to understand each other to the point where she's kind of starting to appreciate some of his like extreme fundamentalism a little bit because she's kind of forgotten about that part of her culture and he's you know starting to loosen up a little bit he's taken his helmet off a few times and it's it's kind of neat the way the show isn't necessarily saying either of their positions is right and the other one is wrong and it's kind of you know it's star wars they're they're finding the balance between the the children of the watch way and the traditional mandalorian way when it, it makes me think of something where I was I was thinking about this after the first episode, where in the first episode, everywhere that Din went in that episode, it had changed. And almost everyone he encountered that was a character we had seen before in the previous two seasons had changed. It was it's almost like at this point, like a theme going on where everywhere he goes it's different and the people are different and people are moving forward maybe from a certain point of view, except kind of din. He is almost finding comfort in going backwards. Like he still wants to be baptized to be forgiven. Yeah. It's like, he still doesn't know what he wants and Grogu coming back is kind of, I think like I was saying last week, is kind of almost like reset him in a way where he's focusing on being being the good dad now and not necessarily knowing what he wants for himself. 
other than to teach Grogu about being a Mandalorian, which was something that kind of sunk in this episode too of how much the show the mandalorian now grogu really is the mandalorian now that he made the choice to stay with din that he's as much the mandalorian now as as any of the other characters and especially with a season being like teaching grogu about being the mandalorian i like yeah when they're flying past mandalore and din is like that's that's where our people come from (laughs) yeah it's like it's really neat like the way that you know, like you were saying, like Bo doesn't believe in the mythosaur and the the legends of Mandalore. She didn't believe that the planet was cursed and you couldn't breathe the air. And it's it, it, again, it reminds me of season two of The Mandalorian, The Believer, and what was laid out in that episode of it's all it all comes down to like what you believe. And people getting so hung up on, well, things are this certain way that it rules their life to the point where, like, like Bo-Katan says, like, she's just sick of their kind fighting each over each other over things that are too confusing to even understand. But then the interesting thing at the end of this episode is that they both encounter the mythosaur, which... You know, it has myth literally in its name. And I think it's it's the neat thing with the end of this episode that I think for the characters and the audience, we all were like, oh, my God, it's the mythosaur. I didn't think I would ever see a real a real life quote, you know, live action mythosaur. But it, I feel like that's the thing that for both of them is the game changer moment where it's going to question everything that they thought they knew. Yeah. Well, and it's also keeping, I think everybody guessing in a way of like who deserves to lead the Mandalorians and who deserves the dark saber. Cause it was really fun. This episode with Din whipping out the dark saber and still like not being able to control it and almost losing because he brought it out in the fight. And then contrasting that with when, um, Bo-Katan gets it and she's just like, you know, ninja flipping, cutting up giant droids like it's nothing and just kind of seeing like, okay, yeah, you know, she didn't win it in combat, but she's definitely comfortable with the Darksaber as opposed to Din, who's still kind of figuring all this stuff out. Like she's in a way, maybe she's more comfortable with who she is than he is. And I couldn't help thinking, too, that. It, like it's almost comical as Din is like reciting the creed going down into the water that seemingly the mythosaur like pulls him down like immediately. We grew up next to lakes. We know about that. It's the it looks like you can walk in until you take one step and it goes straight down. So I think that's that was really is like he's never been in a lake like that before and didn't realize that, you know, there's drop offs and he's wearing armor. So he just sunk to the bottom. But I, I can't help thinking, though, that 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 also it's like some sort of symbolism too. that. Yeah. Th- all their creeds and all their things they believe in the like that just doesn't matter anymore. And I it made me think of what the armorer said in Book of Boba, where she said that, you know, the the Mandalorians 
the, the they sang ancient songs that the the mythosaur would come back and signify the reunification of Mandalore or whatever she said something to that effect you know what I mean yeah. and now we're we're seeing that and it's like you kind of get the sense that like okay Din and Bo are in the position to reunify Mandalore. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure riding the Mythosaur trumps having the dark saber too. <laughs> right, right. Right. Or and having both is like there's no question. But it's it's a neat thing that for Din, he thought that going into the waters underneath the Civic Center, the Staples Center where the Mandalorians play basketball, that that would like baptize him and forgive him of his trans transgressions or whatever he was saying but him actually going in there caused like this mythosaur to kind of wake up and it did probably cause change but not in the way that din thought it would it's not change for him personally so that he can be redeemed by the armorer for whatever crazy reason he thinks he has to do that still like him going in that water had a much bigger effect than he probably even knew what he was doing when he started to step in there. Well, it's like technically he's redeeming all the Mandalorians and kind of resetting everything now because he's rediscovering the planet. He's reawaking the mythosaur. It's like they're kind of the whole culture of Mandalorians is getting their rebirth because, yeah, he was trying to just do it for himself, but he's unintentionally doing it for all of them. And seriously, how crazy is it that <laughs> a live-action mythosaur? Every second of this show, I can't believe it's a live-action show of the stuff we're getting, though. Even the like the mutant people with with the beautiful long hair and the crazy Phil Tippett influenced cyborg and robot bug droid thing, and just all of it—the crazy crystals on mandalore and the in the way the city looks exactly like it did in clone wars but now it's live action and all destroyed like there's just man yeah every second is just like i can't believe this is a real thing still and there's more there's like six more episodes of this at least just this year until you know if they least do season four and five and ahsoka and all this stuff like it's just it's incredible I this morning I was like, when did the mythosaur like where did that even come from? Like, was it from like one of the novelizations or something? And I did not know this that it was first mentioned in Marvel Star Wars issue number 69, written by Dave Mich- Micheline, Micheline, which didn't he write some of the Indiana Jones comics? Doesn't that name sound familiar? I don't know. Somebody listening knows. But it's a wild issue where the like the heroes go to a Mandalorian amusement park called the City of Bone that is built around a mythosaur skeleton. And I I wouldn't put it past Mandalorian season three or four to go to a Mandalorian amusement park. But it's crazy that that from this Buck Wild 1982 Marvel Star Wars comic then just became st- like okay well the symbol on boba fett's shoulder thing that's a mythosaur skull to the point where now people are losing their minds because a live action mythosaur showed up on star wars tv and just opened its eye (laughs) just stared stared at little bo katan floating upwards 
It's crazy though, but that's this that's this show. This show is the wild style. It's you know what did Roger Ebert call it? The childlike sense of fun. Yeah. It's just two episodes in. It's bringing the wild nonstop. It's Kenner's new Star Wars Droid Factory that you put together to make your own droids. Jawa action figures sold separately. Hey, I made R2-D2. You can make your own droids or follow the droid maker blueprints. By switching different tops, arms, and legs, you can make hundreds of droids, up to five at a time. The movable crane swings parts where you need them. You can even make droids with wheels. Gotcha. The Star Wars Droid Factory. Jawa action figures sold separately. New from Kenner. Let's do what we do. Let's get into the chunky bits of the episode. Let's get into all the little crazy details. Because there's a lot of little crazy details. This episode somehow is more chill than last week and somehow crazier at the same time. I know. Well, that was like, yeah, the, watching it the first time, I was like, oh, this is kind of chill. And then watching it the second time, I was like, wait a second. There's a lot going on in here. This, this episode's intense. There are literally times when I watched it the second time where I was like, I don't even remember this part because I think I blacked out several times or my brain was going so fast to try and keep up with everything that was being said and happened in this episode. There there were whole bits I didn't remember. I watched it four times now. And seriously, even the fourth time I was like, I don't even remember this happening the previous three times I watched it. Well, I think some of it is like as awesome as Andor was, Andor was more paced like a normal thing which was part of its charm it was like oh this is like a show but it happens to be star wars where especially this season is like star wars prequel star wars sequel edited where it's like the first two times you watch it you don't even know what you watched and you got to go back (laughs) that that third time to actually absorb it like oh that's what i've been watching these other two times well yeah because it's like what right from the beginning we're back on tatooine there's like street racing and parties and like banners all over the place. It's Boonta Eve. This whole Tatooine opening, it's it's we I think we say it every week. This is one of those things where you've kind of gotta step back and look at what you're watching as a normal person and not a Star Wars fan. Because yeah, it's like the people are like drifting on Tatooine and over on the left there's someone just doing loop-de-loops and something. In a land speeder, just yeah, just spinning donuts. And then we cut to Pelly, Amy Steris, which is outrageous still to begin with, just with a Rodian talking total nonsense to her. And like the hippest, coolest Rodian with a big gold necklace and like a fancy shirt. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, pal. I mean, there are a lot of parts missing. Fine, I'll push you back out in the street. You heard him, pit droids? No, no, no. Alright, well, I don't appreciate the tone of voice, but I'll fix it. Boy, I don't know. I mean, lucky for you, business is slow. I gotta order the parts from the mid-rim. 
let's say, mm, two months. Aquatry, what the no? Right, settle your snout, I'll put a rush on it. But you gotta give me half up front for parts. And then, like, some Jawas come out, and they're talking Jawa, and she's talking Jawa to the Jawas, and then they wheel out R5-D4, and there's little pit droids running around. Like, if someone, if this was the first, like, if someone was like, I've never seen any Star Wars movie, I don't even know what's the deal with Star Wars. I hear it's popular, and they just watched this Tatooine opening, they'd be like, this is too weird for human beings to watch. Why is she missing a tooth? <laughs> this this total nonsense. This is crazy nonsense, which I appreciate it. Yeah. No, it's it's just like just throwing us right back into it. Yeah, Pally being Pally, scamming people on Boon to Eve. Uh, she's in with the Jawas now. The Jawas steal the parts off the cars so she can fix them and put the car the parts back on. Boba Fett's busy on the other side of the planet, so you know she's got to do what she has got to do. I keep thinking, though, too, with the Boonta Eve, the party vibe that's going on in Tatooine, and then when they fly away, this is Boba's Tatooine. This is not – could you imagine, like, a party vibe like this when Jabba was in control or when it was, like, Sad Town with Bib Fortuna in control? No. This is Boba's – this is Boba's party. Boba's like, well, we got to have a big party with fireworks. Yeah. Boba's probably floating around in, like, a hovering hot tub. Just waving at people. Singing songs. <laughs> Leading the crowd in songs. Ain't in a shame. Oh, give me the people and free my soul. Wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Oh. Doesn't even make any sense. But it's, you know, they mention Boba. They don't show Boba. It's okay. It's all right. It makes sense for this episode. I love, too, that the last episode sets up this big quest to to re, to re uh, bring IG-11 back to life. And then they get to Pelly, and she's like, I can't find that. And the Jawas are like, you can't find that. It's like, just take R5-D4. Don't worry about it. <laughs> They're like, why do you want that? And Din's like, I want to go spelunking. <laughs> Just, just crazy. This is the first five minutes of the episode. There's like the title, The Mandalorian. We don't even know what the episode's called yet. We don't even know what's called The Minds of Mandalore. Just total madness. Yeah, it could have been called Nonstop Boom to Eve Party. And <laughs> we wouldn't have batted an eye. Well, I love all the stuff with R5-D4 too, where it's like he just doesn't want to do he's like the laziest droid and it's almost like in a new hope when his when he blew up it was like he did it on purpose because he didn't want to have to get a job and now all these years later he's with Pelly, he's still working and i almost feel like when she's saying like he was with the uh with the rebels that it's like it's not so much her just lying to din as much as r5 lied to Pelly and like oh yeah i was with the rebels or you know like just making up stuff when really he just doesn't want to work no, he's been on like a sand crawler for years. I mean, I saw somebody talking about, oh, it makes sense with the R5-D4's story in a certain point of view. I don't even remember what happened in that, to tell you the truth. I like to think that he's just like the Jawas wheeled him away and he's been on a sand crawler all this time. And Pelly bought him like real cheap. Or they gave him to her because they were tired of him because no one else would buy him because he did whatever he could to not get sold because he doesn't want to have to work. And did you see... Like right when Din is about to take off, the hijinks going on in the background with the pit droids and a big pole. Yeah, like hitting each other in the face or something. Yeah. 
Oh, just total silliness. And yeah, they fly away with the fireworks. And I, you know, yeah, Boba is somewhere on the ground with Fennec. Look at this. I love fireworks. Beautiful. We're now like two minutes into the episode and they take off. We get the, uh, the title card. We find out it's the Minds of Mandalore. We are, what, in space outside of Mandalore. And Din is teaching Grogu about space stuff again. What about reading maps? You got to be able to read maps so you're never lost. And he has another total Rick Oley moment. I grew up there on that moon, Concordia. And that's Kalevala where we visited Bo-Katan. It's in the same system. There's the blockade. That little droid did it. He bypassed the main power drive. And I like Grogu pointing at the little screen, and Grogu wants to go to Batu. Batu, Batu. I don't, you know, and I don't blame Grogu for wanting to go to Batu, where he's just like planets. Let's go to, let's go to Batu. I want a Ronto rap. I don't blame him. I listen. I want a Ronto rap. If I was in Star Wars space, I'd be like, let's enough. Let's just go to Batu. There's probably monsters on that planet. I've been to Batu. There's no monsters, but there's sweet, sweet Ronto wraps. Yeah, he's hungry. So they go to Mandalore, right? Yeah, and there's the the crystals sticking out. Uh, he sends R five D four out. The signal vanishes. Just all that R5D4 stuff is great too, where he's just he doesn't want to go and he's like, that's not a question, and he just drops him out of the ship. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I love the new this new R5D4 who just doesn't want to do anything. And is scared of everything. So Mando has to go out looking for him and see what's left of the the staple center, see where the basketball hoops are, and then the, the beast men come out, the beasties. I love those beastie guys so much. Just husky cavemen with what clubs and flowing white hair and tusks and eye. I don't know. Just just good old fashioned monsters. Dudes in suits, beast men. <laughs> just jumping around growling. Just total silliness. So Din, uh he, he gets the Darksaber out, and yeah, we see he's still not quite mastered it. And then they get the readout of air, the air from R5, and guess what? It's breathable. Bo-Katan was right. Yeah, and it's like, no kidding. Like, maybe the armor isn't telling you the whole truth. Maybe the armor doesn't always know what she's talking about. She's just making stuff up. So then Din and Grogu, what, they go in, right? And this, this is just outrageous because what they're just flying down... It's just floating, yeah. They basically float down through the entire city on Mandalore, all the way down to the bottom. You've got this Mandalorian guy with a jetpack and a little Yoda baby, like, floating through this, like, bombed-out city. Again, it's something, it's like, you're watching it, and you're just like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. But, again, if you step back, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of just over-the-top sci-fi nonsense going on that we just take for granted because it's like, oh, yeah, it's Star Wars. But it's, yeah, you stop and think about it, and you're like, this is insane. And then, yeah, they're walking around, and there's, like, flying dragon babies in uh, Super Mario Brothers pipes just watching them with glowing green eyes. And I love that they get down to, like, the sewers, and it looks, like, exactly like 
from Clone Wars Season 7 where Maul and all of his homies were hanging out, planning their secret attack. Remember all that? Yeah. And they were down in the sewers of Mandalore and Ahsoka went down there and all that cool stuff. Like you said, even like later in the episode when they're walking through bombed out Mandalore, it yeah, you're just like, yeah, that's that's Mandalore. That's where they took like Maul's body in that big box, like down that road. Like this is like the center of the capital of Mandalore. That's where all those kids got their juice poisoned. (laughs) Oh, oh, that's a whole nother stuff. But yeah, this next part, though, is like, it gets me every time where I'm like, oh, that helmet, that's cool. Oh, he found a helmet. He's going to dig up the helmet. Wonder what that helmet is. And then all of a sudden, the the crazy droid comes out of the sand and freaks me out. Oh, my God. So, okay. Here the episode gets totally, brilliantly, beautifully nuts. Because suddenly, out of nowhere, Phil Tippett takes over this episode. These next 10 minutes are brought to you by Phil Tippett. Basically should pop up on the screen. (laughs) It suddenly becomes like the Mandalorian has to battle Mad God because (laughs) this giant crab creature picks up Din and it's got like a fleshy eyeball inside this crab thing. And then when you're just like, that's nuts, then the driver of this crab creature comes out and it's this fleshy eyeball droid thing with like these pipes coming out of its back. It looks incredibly insane. Cool. Where it's like, what am I even watching? And it's just, it's Phil Tippett madness. And it reminded me 100% of Kane, the evil robot from RoboCop two, because remember there was like, a part where Kane had like that that lawnmower man face and every once in a while it would just zoom in on his like on his eye and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah, it's Kane from RoboCop 2. It's the analysis droids from Attack of the Clones and General Grievous all mixed together. And it's yeah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a what a cyborg that has one robot eye and one flesh eye. But the flesh eye is behind a a camera or or just a big piece of glass it's so so crazy and it and apparently it catches mandalorians it injects them in the neck with something and then it pumps their guts out into a tube and i'm assuming eats their eats their blood or something i don't know it was crazy it's Phil Tippett man it's like hey Phil Tippett what do you think this creature should be like oh i should pump its blood and eat its guts or something okay phil you just do your phil tippet stuff and it's kind of cligson turn back intruder or i'll blast you out of space this is cligson and i don't want any dealings with you human life forms i'm a cyborg because whenever we start getting cyborgs we go straight to Droid World and we go straight to Kligson. Yeah. I was waiting for him to yell, I'm a cyborg. Half machine, <laughs> half man. I surround myself with nothing but robots. They brought Kligson back in the comics recently, so it's all maybe this is all leading somewhere. Probably not. But maybe, but probably not. But regardless whether it's Klingson or not, it's still a cyborg, and you can never have too many cyborgs. And this is the most cyborg cyborg cat we've had probably since Grievous. 
it's keeping the tradition that started in the first episode of season three of just like we said in the beginning, just bonkers stuff. You don't know where any episode is going. It can be like some serious Mandalorian history thing going on or something like, oh, this episode's going to be a little bit more chill, like we were saying. And then this Phil Tippett crazy cyborg riding crab thing comes out and it's like how uh, they explain how the the beast men survive and the mythosaur has always kind of been there where did this guy come from who knows who cares that's what i say because it's cool well all that's left of him is apparently his half of his face and his eye so he doesn't need a lot of guts to stay alive so you know taking it easy but it's also the thing we we're talking about of just the fun of like everything Star Wars all at once kind of a thing. Cause even before this, like when they're, they just land on the planet, it's like you have the Naboo starfighter from Phantom Menace with um, a Mandalorian and a baby Yoda in it. And now you have R5D4, just a straight up astromech from the original movie, just all hanging out together on an adventure. And then Bo-Katan from Clone Wars shows up. Yeah, and it's all just flowing. It all just feels great. It's like, yeah, this is crazy Star Wars. And then you got, yeah, Phil Tippett, like, just going nuts with a crazy gut-sucking cyborg crab thing. Just It turns into the to the Ewok movies, practically, at that point. <laughs> Bonkers creatures showing up. So Grogu tries to go help Mando, tries to use the Force, and it, it freaks out the, the Tippett cyborg. This whole little sequence is possibly my favorite in the whole episode of just grogu on foot sneaking around just like how much just full-on grogu we're seeing and then building up to mando telling him get bo-katan and him jumping in his stroller pod and it like literally turning into a spaceship and him flying it as fast as he can with his ears flapping like it's i don't know so good this whole little sequence and he totally defends himself as he leaves the cave. He pushes the beast man out of the way. And then he like does a flip into the N1 and tells R5 where to go. But I was thinking about that. I was like, even Grogu has changed. Where think of Grogu in the past, like where he would do force stuff and then would like kind of take have to take a nap and be like cashed out. Grogu can defend himself and Grogu can go and get Bo-Katan and stuff. Yeah, he can point to the map and tell R5-D4 where to go. So good. But it's like everyone is kind of progressing. And I don't know. I think it's really interesting to think of like that whole theme that seems to be going on in this season. And where is it going to take the Mandalorian, the, the title character of this show? It's really interesting. So just as you're being thrilled and amazed by this exciting moment with Grogu and the fun thing of Grogu walking around. Then we cut back to Nirvana and the, we, the superstar, one of the superstars of last week's show, Bo-Katan's droid. the droid walking you hear the droid talking your majesty an unscheduled visitor i will always regret not getting to see g897 walking in force awakens but this i think almost made up for it because yeah he's like 
briskly walking in the hallway and he's got like little suction cup feet or something and he's just yeah oh beautiful droid it reminded me back when we did our uh 21b episode and the whole controversy of 21b's feet his feet are kind of like the 21b action figure feet that never existed in in real life mm-hmm. yeah this droid is a, is a star among droids and i'm so glad he was back we might see him again i don't know I, I when he was talk, I couldn't believe it when he was talking. I was just like, oh, oh god! Well, that was another thing where I think I blacked out. Whereas it's like, yeah. oh, whew. yeah, you're right because it's like I barely remember him talking because I think I was too, too fixated on his feet <laughs> that that I couldn't hear him talking. It's like we saw his little feet. <sighs> yeah, and then you just when you think it can't get any better. There's literally Bo-Katan, Grogu, and R5-D4 sitting inside a Mandalorian starfighter. Just just hanging out. Even before that, though, there's an awesome shot, just a gratuitous taking off shot of Bo's ship taking off. And when Bo's ship flies past the camera, it makes an incredibly cool noise. It's fun, too, that as grouchy as Bo-Katan has been, she's, like, starting to warm up a little bit, hanging out with the with the, with the the all-stars there, with Grogu and R5-D4. But I think the best is when they do get to Mandalore. And, you know, it's still all, all cloudy and stormy and gross. But, like, just as they're about to break through the clouds, they show Bo-Katan, and you can kind of see a little smile on her face. Like, she's, you can tell she's, like, so happy to be back. Well, and I think, again, I'm a broken record here, as usual, but that is kind of Bo-Katan changing. Because you just think just last episode, where Din is like, I'm going to go to Mandalore, and I'm going to go in the waters. And she's like, you're a fool. Why would you want to do that? That's dumb. But her going back there, and her kind of talking about her past as like a princess of Mandalore and being part of the royal family and her talking about like her father, which nobody's ever heard anything about Bo and Satine's father. Like, what the heck is that? Your father sounds like an interesting man. I would have liked to have known him. He was a great man. He died defending Mandalore. This is the way. What are you looking at? I feel like this is Bo-Katan kind of moving forward quite a bit and her character changing. Well, especially when she talks about her father dying, you know, defending Mandalore and, and Din, like, give given her props for respect for like you know that's that's the this is the way because that's you know he's he died defending mandalore that's like the best thing you can do so and her kind of appreciating his acknowledgement of her family and it almost seems like it's a din kind of realizing that the non children of the watch care about mandalorians too in a way like that you know it's part of them starting to understand each other since all he's ever heard from the armor is just how bad Bo-Katan is and how they're not real Mandalorians. It must pain you to see it like this after witnessing its beauty. 
What pains me, seeing our own kind fight one another time and time again. Killing each other for reasons too confusing to explain. It made us weak. We had no hope to resist being smashed by the fist of the Empire. There. The entrance to the mines of Mandalore. She would like to see Mandalore reun- reunified again, like to be the Mandalore it used to be, or at least the people that are uh, the Mandalorian people that are scattered throughout the galaxy in these weird like clans and sects to come together as one race, the Mandalorians. Like they used to be like one of the most powerful, respected races in Star Wars, like in the Clone Wars era and pre-Clone Wars and I don't know. I like where this story's going. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. So, but meanwhile, the Tippet Cyborg is putting tubes in Mando. What the heck is happening? Another thing I really like in this episode, it's a, it's a very subtle thing, that they brought back that little musical motif from the heiress in season two. That little... Bu- it's now Bo-Katan's kicking butt theme. I like she gets the dark saber with like her little wrist rope and just has no problem with it whatsoever. She's like Donnie Yen with that light. She's like Donnie Yen getting dressed in the morning, like with that lightsaber. Yeah. She just tears up the, the droid and then we see, well, no. Yeah. And then we see what his little head escape into the big droid body. Yeah. And she takes care of the big Robocop 2 thing. Just insane. When the head, yeah, when the little head came out with the eyeball and it's like a little bug head, it's like, oh man, Phil Tippett. You could just hear him. Like, you, I bet I bet when Phil Tippett was designing all of that, he actually smiled. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. He smiled just a little. So then Bo, yeah, makes Din soup and Grogu wants some. And they have a, a nice little heart-to-heart talk there for a moment. But, I, you know, another little thing in the soup scene that she gives Din, like, the little cup of soup. And he's going to go to drink it. And he just, like, ever so slightly lifts his helmet up to drink it. And it's like, just take it off. She's already seen you. You know, it, like... And I and I think that's very much on purpose and very much about Din's character that these things don't matter again like what bo says like for reasons too confusing to explain like he is still like i'm not supposed to take my helmet off well and for a second too i was like why doesn't he just take his helmet off he's gonna go get redeemed in the waters in five minutes anyway he might as well take his helmet off and get a get a good gulp of soup because it's so it's gotta be hard to drink soup through a helmet i'm not going with you What are you talking about? I must continue to the mines of Mandalore so that I may be redeemed. I honestly think that it's adorable that you actually believe these children's stories. But there is nothing magic about the waters. Without the creed, what are we? What do we stand for? Our people are scattered like stars in the galaxy. The creed is how we survived. You rescued me. And I'll always be in your debt. But I can't go with you until I fulfill my obligation. I will take you. To the living waters? Yes. You'd never find them on your own. Not in all this wreckage. Thank you. Don't thank me until you see them. Well, and it, 
it was really kind of cool when they get to the to the water too of the idea that you know the children of the watch live on the other planet and they have all these you know their stories and songs and legends where like on mandalore it's like it's just a tourist place and there's a plaque because this is just like hey let's go see the mines of mandalore oh look you know, there's like school field trips there and it's like, hey, here's the Mines of Mandalore. Let's go read the plaque like it's no big deal to them anymore. Yeah, it used to be a mythosaur lair and Mandalore the Great tamed it. And Din like gets all serious and what he takes off his cape, <laughs> it doesn't take yeah, it doesn't take off the rest of his armor. And yeah, he starts to go in. And I like yeah, that Bo, as Din is starting to go in, Bo-Katan is kind of just smirking, kind of just like <laughs> this a joke, you know. Nothing's going to happen in here. Yeah, and then he gets sucked down, and in goes Bo, and yeah, underwater jetpacks, which is pretty exciting. It was really exciting, underwater jetpacks. It really was. Yeah, because we see Bo-Katan now, and I think, wasn't it Costca Reeves last season, like, just diving into the water? It's like the Mandalorians love to dive into the water, basically, <laughs> and just turn their jetpacks on. So cool. So good. And I, yeah, when, when Bo sees the mythosaur, I like that she's so, so shocked that air bubbles come out from under her helmet. <laughs> right. Cause she's saying naughty words under her helmet and the bubbles came out. So then they get out, they've come flying out. Bo basically throws Din and she's in complete and total shock. It's a game changer moment. For everyone, for the show, for the characters, for people watching, they're like, this show is nuts. So what the heck happens next? I I have no clue where, how to even like begin. Because I was thinking, too, there's the, the thing with, it seems like Bo-Katan's ship being chased by what it looked like TIE, tie Interceptors, too. Is that on Mandalore, or do they try and leave, like? Yeah, because there's the the empire is somewhere. I mean, it does almost look to me now that we've seen some of the planets that that chase might be by Bo-Katan's castle. So maybe at some point they go back to her place and and the empire's there because with the cliffs and the water and stuff, it did kind of look like next to where her castle is. And then I also wonder with the the other Mandalorians on Navarro if. If that's because when they go back, that it's uh, Pirate King Gorian Shan's men kind of invade Navarro. And maybe that's why there's a there's a pirate battle there and they have to bring in the Mandalorians to help. It's the exciting thing that we just don't know. I know and it's, right? there's no at this point, there's no way to predict where this is all going to go. And yeah, like we said, there's still Dr. Pershing. Whatever the heck is going on with all of that. And next week, I'm assuming the mythosaur is going to come out of the water. What's it going to do? Are they going to fight it? Is it going to talk? Hello. I've been waiting for you. Like, what? what is that even going to be? Because it's awake and they're there, right? They're not just going to leave. Well, and the thing, too, that the mythosaur didn't necessarily seem angry. It wasn't like trying to kill them or anything. Like, it just, I like, again, like, it. Bo is flying up, holding on to Din, and it just kind of watches her. You think if it wanted to eat them, it totally could. What does it all mean? Where is it going to go? Is the the mythosaur going to come out and 
is Din, yeah, going to be riding a mythosaur in episode three? And then we, what, we still got a bunch of episodes left to go? Who, kn- I, we don't know. And knowing this show, anything could happen. Right. Is the rest of the season Din trying to find a ship big enough to put the mythosaur in so it can, he can take it on trips? <laughs> then they find it in the fourth episode and then they're on to something else. It, <laughs> But I, I really do think, and I'll be curious to see how it goes forward, these themes of change and kind of resisting change, embracing change, and challenging what people believe. Like, why do you believe what you believe? What good is it doing you? Is it more harmful than good? Like, these crazy things that you believe and yeah, and, per, and personal change. I think, I feel like that, uh, aside from all the the wackiness going on, I feel like that's uh, I feel like that's a thing they've got started in this season. Well, and the idea of trying to understand people that are different than you, and that you can find common ground with people, because even if it seems like you're at extreme ends of an idea, that there's there's potentially more you have in common than you realize, and and you know having the there's the, the two obvious. Mandalorian factions who don't want to have anything to do with each other because they believe they're completely different coming to terms with they're all Mandalorians and, and they should all work together. Oh, that's so Star Wars. That is so Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Well, no matter what happens, folks, we are going to be here next week talking about chapter 19. Well, and also we didn't mention too the fact that it is this season seems more either the whole season is more one story or they're doing multiple episode kind of story arcs as opposed to the the previous seasons which were much more even though there was an overarching story for the season each episode was kind of its own thing and this season so far has not been that it it feels like it's just we're in the middle of a of a longer story at this point <sighs> i'm loving it i i get sad thinking that we only have six episodes left at this point I'm like no oh i know me too i was thinking that today it's like man we're we're a quarter of the way through already no don't go Second at theaters everywhere. I'd buy that for a dollar. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise.
everybody. Guess what? Apple Podcast Reviews. When you get done listening to this, if you listen on something Apple, you should go over there and write something nice about Blast Points so more people can find the show when they're looking for Star Wars podcasts or Star Wars podcasts talking about The Mandalorian. And we love reading your reviews. It brings warm feelings to our hearts. And if you listen on Spotify, leave us a five-star review over there, too. And check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com. And make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in the Blast Points Super Chill Group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where we're going to have two more Bad Batch recap episodes for Tipping Point and Pabu coming up. And then one more for the big two-part finale. And then we're going to be getting into... Mandalorian commentaries where we're going to be talking about all season three all over again, even more in depth and probably just talking about Bo-Katan's droid quite a bit and some other characters and things. We don't even know what's coming. Yeah. We don't even know what we're going to talk about yet because it hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. And stay tuned folks, because even though we are not going to London for celebration, there are plans afoot. Things are forming. Things are coming together. It's going to be nuts. It may end up just be you listening to us eat pizza, or it may be something more exciting than that. But it's definitely something happening. It's something happening. We're not going to be in London, but we're going to be bringing London to us and you, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be something crazy that probably we've never done before, and maybe we'll never do it again. I don't know. We don't know what we're doing, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for more information about all that Celebration London fun going on. But that about wraps up number 348, Mandalorian, the mind's of Mandalore. We didn't even give a shout out to Rachel Morrison. Oh, superstar. Yeah. First timer, just blowing it away. So on that note, everyone, thank you all so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. It doesn't have to doesn't have to make sense. May the force be with all of you.